News Talk 1110-993-WBT. It is Friday. It's 135. That means we talked to Becky Gray. She is the Senior Vice President at the John Locke Foundation. You can read all about them and their work at carolinajournal.com. Becky, how are you? Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Happy Halloween weekend. Yeah, you got uh, you got big plans for Spooky Halloween. Stuff. Spooky stuff. Well, I'm actually <laughs> headed up to the, to the Asheville area, your old stomping ground. Yeah. Um, yeah, because in conjunction with Halloween, of course, is the beautiful leaves in western North Carolina. That's true. I forgot. I was talking with somebody about the leaf changing season, and I forgot whether you want rain or you don't want rain. One of them, one way gives you the stress. I think it's not rain, so because it stresses the leaves or something. But you want like a little bit, but then not too much or something at a certain time. And But I, I, it seems like it's a pretty good season, so you're in for a treat, I think. Not that, you know, it's always a treat. North Carolina is a beautiful state, and it's always a treat to get out and about. Yeah. So, always a treat to get out of Raleigh. Well, well I was going to say, yeah. And they had, had so that. they had a big deal up there. Um, big news I saw today. Um, WRAL was all over this story. Apparently, the Speaker of the House spotted in a grocery store not wearing a mask. Did you Did you hear about this this story? Yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> yeah, I kind of hesitate to even say story. I mean, how many of us have ducked into? Um, you know, the drugstore to pick up something or the grocery store to make a quick run. And, yeah, it must, must be a really slow news day is all I've got to say. We're waiting for the budget. We're waiting for redistricting. I guess WRAL had to have something to report on. So, you know, I, I guess this is it. You got to make slot. You have to make slot. You got to fill the news hole. So, uh, and that is true. Like, I have actually gone to a store and I'm trying, it was actually pretty recently. It was like a week or so ago. And I was like, Oh, I, I don't have a mask. I left it in my other coat and I didn't even, I had no mask on me. Like, what am I supposed to do? So, um, so I just like, you know, held my breath and put my arm over and I ran in No, I'm just kidding. But, um, yeah, so that was WRAL. They were all over that story. Yeah. Uh, well, so, in related news, of course, yeah. the town of Cary, which is a suburb of Raleigh has just announced they're going to lift their mask mandate as of today. Now, still required on public transportation, but, um, you know, I think, I think a lot of people are going to be going to carry to eat dinner and to shop and go to the drugstore and that kind of thing over the next couple of days. And I hope some of the other communities around North Carolina will begin to lift this mask mandate as the numbers continue to go down and people are just feeling a lot safer to be out and about. Right, yeah, the the case numbers are going, they're dropping precipitously, which is, I mean, this was expected. It's a season, the seasonality of it. This virus is behaving like viruses. I thought uh, the Associated Press reporter, Brian Anderson, had a very good question uh, at the governor's press conference on COVID the other day, the briefing, uh, asking, look, you know, is this even an emergency any longer? You You haven't had a briefing in a month. So, like, how could you say this is still a statewide emergency if you're not even giving updates after 30 uh, in 30 days right yeah how much of an emergency and then of course that reform to the emergency management act is sitting on the governor's desk don't know when he's going to veto could be this afternoon yeah you know for all we know but you know that's another thing of how long should a governor no matter who it is how long should the governor of north carolina have the authority to act unilaterally in an emergency this has gone on for months and months and months now. This would be an effort to roll back that, have a little bit more accountability. Uh, we do expect Governor Cooper to veto that bill, but the question's still going to remain, Pete. You know, like you said, how long does an emergency last? 
And in North Carolina, the question is, how long does one person have the authority to make that decision? And whether the governor vetoes this bill or not, which, by the way, we do expect him to do that, um, this question is going to remain out there. Right. And and, uh, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson apparently today saying he's 95 percent sure he's going to run for governor in another uh, two years, two and a half years or so, which I don't think really surprises uh, many people. Uh, But he has said that he would sign this fix into law if presented with him. And and, um, as I understand it, the lawmakers intend to run the bill as many times as it takes to get this thing fixed, because I've not heard a, a good explanation or a good defense of the way the governor has uh, has utilized the Emergency Management Act. Um, and the fix that has been proposed, to me, seems quite logical and rational. It doesn't seem partisan. It seems like a it seems like a good idea to say, OK, you get to do these emergency declarations unless you're going to make it a statewide deal in which case then you're going to need some more buy-in. That seems rational. Yeah, and doesn't it just make sense that if you're faced with, I mean, just kind of flashback to March of 2020 when we were faced with a really uncertain future, would it have been helpful to have the direct input, advice, and counsel of the Commissioner of Agriculture, the Superintendent of Public Instruction, the Secretary of Labor, the State Treasurer, the Attorney General, you know, to have the other statewide elected officials be able to weigh in and have some decision-making as you're sitting around that table after the first, I don't know, you know, week or two. I mean, when you've got an emergency, you do need some, you know, emergency that hits overnight. You need somebody that can make those quick decisions. Mm -hmm. But after a week or a couple weeks, you know, just seems to me you would want the advice and counsel of those other areas of, and again, these are statewide elected officials, just like the the governor is. And then it also seems to me that after a certain amount of time, you would want the input of the legislature and all of those people who have been duly elected to represent areas across North Carolina. You would think that that would be a good idea, too, to have their input. The uh, initial emergency declaration that was uh, the governor went around the Council of State to issue um, it, the, the, the pushback he got, because there's only one element that he initially got pushback on, and that was the closing of all of the businesses and, and the restaurants right. and such. Right. And the Republicans on the Council of State, they were not on board with just that one component. And when you look back on it, this is the thing that kills me. When we look back and we do an assessment on whether that policy worked or not it did not right it it that did not work locking down the government or the uh the the private sector the entire economy the costs associated with that have been uh shown to outweigh the benefit and so he was wrong to make that call like he did and maybe he wouldn't have and maybe we would have been spared of the costs of those lockdowns um and it's one of the things I think that undermines a lot of credibility and trust is when you've got people that made these decisions, and I understand they, they had no information, they were just flying blind, but to, to not come out and say, oh, okay, that wasn't the right call, I will forgive them for that. They were doing the best they could. I will give them the benefit of the doubt. But when you don't ever acknowledge that you messed it up, then I, 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 I'm not going to believe you uh, going forward. 
Yeah, I think there has been a lot of trust. And, and you know, we see that today with the mask mandates, the vaccine yeah. incentives and all that have been offered. We're seeing parents going to the school board meetings and, you know, making their voices be heard, which is certainly something that people should be encouraged to do. Um, but, yeah, the, the mistrust, I think, is a big, big factor yeah. in that. Piece. I think you're exactly right. And then the other thing with it is, is businesses were closed down. Don't forget, there were some businesses that were allowed to open. There were some that were not. Yep. And the collateral damage from that, I don't think we've seen still the, the full extent of the collateral damage on investments and the chilling effect, perhaps, that we're seeing with entrepreneurs. Um, you know, if you've been through that or you're sitting back watching and seeing how quickly a business can be destroyed at the blink of an eye, at the sign of the signing of an executive order, I think we're going to see long-term chilling effects on people that are willing to take the risk to start businesses, to make expansions for those businesses and that kind of thing. So yeah. I think the residual damage of this um, and those decisions are going to go on for quite some time. Senior Vice President at the John Locke Foundation, Becky Gray, read uh, her work and her colleagues' work and uh, all of the good stuff at carolinajournal.com. I go there every day. It's part of my show prep. Go check it out, carolinajournal.com. Thank you, Becky. Appreciate it. Safe travels. Have a great weekend up in the mountains.